you got to get passionate about this thing. If the cross doesn't move you, nothing will move you. I'm offering you something that's greater than silver and gold. I'm offering you something that's greater than an increase in your pay on your job. I'm offering you a... There's no shortcuts to the glory. We've got to get past week-to-week living. We've got to multiply our prayer life. We've got to multiply our efforts. And we are willing to give. God will always give it back to us in good measure. That is pressed down, shaken together, and running over. Hey, thanks for checking out our Christian Life Church podcast. You will be hearing from one of our pastors or guest speakers, either at our Frankfurt or Lebanon campus. Prepare your hearts and your minds to receive a word from God. Thanks for listening. Enjoy and receive this message. chapter 6, and I'm going to begin with verse number 10, and going to read a little lengthily tonight. Ephesians chapter 6, and verse number 10. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. Wherefore, take unto you the whole armor of God that ye may be able to withstand in the evil day. And having done all to stand, stand therefore, having your loins girt about with truth and having on the breastplate of righteousness and your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Above all, taking the shield of faith wherewith ye shall be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked. And take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. I want to borrow from that 13th and 14th verse tonight, if I may, for a few moments. And I want to talk to you about a subject the Lord just dropped in my heart this week. And I don't know how great of a sermon and how much sermonizing this will be tonight But I want to just share with you what the Lord put in my heart. Is that all right? I'm going to talk to you tonight on one word. Stand. When you've done all you can do, just stand. Turn to two or three people around you. Greet them and tell them, keep standing. Keep standing. Keep standing. Amen. Reminds us of church at Frankfurt. Keep standing. We paid good money for pews just to use them for the length of a sermon. We believe in standing. This week I was pondering the scriptures and I was thinking about this word stand. And the Lord dropped a thought in my mind that I want to share with you. It may not be so um, powerful to you maybe as it was to me. Brother Price used to tell me sometimes, Brother Jordan, our thoughts wow us, and they only bore the congregation. 
And I may not wow you with this tonight, but the Lord wowed me with it, and maybe it'll wow you for a moment tonight when you think about how the Scripture, I love how the Scripture weaves threads of words together or themes together or subject matters together and we can see it in various places throughout scripture the same idea being brought to us and being brought to life. This idea tonight I I was thinking through I was pondering through the thoughts of the tabernacle, and I don't spend a lot of time there, um, but I enjoy a good study on the tabernacle, and I really wasn't necessarily studying the tabernacle, I was more thinking through the process of the tabernacle, and thinking of the different pieces of furniture. There is, uh, of course, there is the altar of sacrifice, and the laver of water and the table of showbread and the golden candlesticks and and moving into the Holy of Holies. There is the mercy seat. And I was thinking about that word seat. Mercy seat. Yet, in fact, that it was... The reason for it being called a mercy seat, perhaps, was simply because it was the lid or the cover that set over the Ark of the Covenant. Now, there's several pieces of furniture inside the tabernacle, but the priest worked inside the tabernacle, labored inside the tabernacle, but there was something I noticed that is missing that... You will find in every office, you'll find in every building, you will find in every home, you will find in every church, synagogue, any place that you want to go, you will find that there is a place for people to be able to be seated, for people to sit down. Yet, in the tabernacle, with all of its furniture, furnishings well thought through, And everything about the tabernacle is pointing to the New Testament church and pointing to Jesus Christ himself. And so as it is pointing to Christ and his church, I'm looking at this recognizing that in the tabernacle there was no place for the priest to be able to sit down. They had to remain standing on their feet. All the work of ministry was done standing on their feet. Through the scripture, we find where the Bible tells us different methods and ways of worshiping God. And I found where that they worshiped Him kneeling, They laid prostrate before him. They stood, but I don't find them worshiping him seated. 
I start seeing this idea begin to unfold through the scripture. The mercy seat was not a chair for man to sit in, but rather was the place where the most high would dwell. Perhaps, perhaps that's what, why the Apostle Paul in his writing said, and having done all that you can do in that evil day, when you've done everything that you know to do, and you have withstood, and you have stood, and you have done all you can to keep standing, he never said, sit down. Take a break. Take, a, take some time off. I'm not preaching against vacation. I'm not preaching against catching your breath. But I am speaking to you spiritually tonight that what, what I am seeing in this is that there is no place for a child of God to say, I feel like I need to step back. I've heard it. I've seen it. I've seen people do it. But I don't find it in the Word of God. I don't find a place for the people of God to say, I've been serving God for a while. I feel like I need to take a break. I'm going to take a break from serving God. I'm going to take a break away from my relationship with God. I'm going to focus on myself, focus on my family and my flesh, and I'm going, to, I'm going to just, it's not in the Scripture. Every place in the Scripture that we see the formation and the lifestyle of the church, there is a constant standing, and when we have done everything we know to do, and even when evil comes against us, and when we've done all that we can do to stand, the Apostle Paul admonishes us and tells us, just whatever you do, keep on standing. He didn't say lay down. He didn't say sit down. He didn't say walk around. He said keep on standing. In this evil world in which we live, there may be times that you do not know how to go forward. Whatever you do, don't feel like that's time that you need to take a break or take a step back. I'm coming against the idea that the church ought to ever reach a point where we feel like we need to step back from what we're doing. That is a work of the enemy that would like to hinder what God is doing. I admonish every one of you in this house tonight, it doesn't matter if you're new in serving God or if you've been serving him a long time. This isn't a place to sit down, take a break, step back, but it is a time to stand. To stand. Pastor, I don't know how. Don't know what to do. Just keep on standing. When you've done everything you know to do, just stand. I don't know what to say. Just stand. I don't know where to turn. Just stand. Just stand. Just stand. All manner of evil comes against you. Keep standing. Under the Old Testament law, man was required to rest on the Sabbath. There was a lot entailed in the Sabbath rest. The fields were required to rest every seven years. 
Every worker was required to rest on the seventh day. Even the work in the tabernacle, in the temple, was to rest on the Sabbath day. In the Jewish home, meals would be prepared in advance so that it minimized the amount of work that had to be done in the preparation of the household food. The ladies in the house are getting excited about this message. No laundry on the Sabbath. As a matter of fact, the Bible even talks about a Sabbath day's journey. They weren't even allowed to travel long distances. A Sabbath day's journey was not a very long distance. It was a very short space of time. It was given to them to be able to only travel for worship and the bare necessities of life. They could travel that Sabbath day's journey. It was required of them to rest. Now I'm not in any way tonight preaching against rest. I'm not preaching against you taking some time for physical rest. I am not preaching to the flesh at all tonight. But I'm preaching to you metaphorically of the things of the Spirit. I am talking to you tonight. I think it's wonderful. For those of you, it's summertime. This was a rough winter we came through. Take some time off. Get a break. Not from God. There's no time. Even when you're on vacation, keep serving God. We don't backslide on vacation and show back up. Have to pray back through over everything we did while on vacation. What's in Vegas doesn't really stay in Vegas. There's a thing called social media today. People know about it immediately as soon as it happens. Under the Old Testament law, people were required to, to rest on the Sabbath. But then comes Jesus and the New Testament church. Jesus didn't come to abolish the law. As a matter of fact, the law was a type and shadow of what was to come. Jesus came to fulfill the law. Anybody that comes, there's churches and religion, religious movements today that are trying to bring back the idea of the Old Testament law and the Old Testament Sabbath. And they're trying to bring it back into effect. They need to read the book of Galatians. And they need to understand that Jesus Christ became our Sabbath. Now he is the rest wherein the weary can find rest. Now it's not about a day of the week. I can worship God on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday because now when I have a need, I can call on him and come boldly before the throne of grace. I don't have to wait on Friday or Saturday. I can come boldly. We live now with the infilling of the Holy Ghost. We live in a perpetual Sabbath. Everybody say stand. Those asleep probably is thinking somebody just woke them up saying they needed to stand. 
We live in a perpetual Sabbath. Isaiah chapter 28, verse 11, for with stammering lips and another tongue. I wonder what this is talking about. This is Pentecost Sunday. You ought to know what it's talking about. For with stammering lips, Isaiah 28, 11, for with stammering lips and another tongue. This was Isaiah prophesying of this day that we're celebrating today, Pentecost Sunday. He's prophesying of what was to come. For with stammering lips and another tongue will he speak to his people to whom he said, this, what? Stammering lips and another tongue, the infilling of the Holy Ghost. He said, this is the rest wherewith ye may cause the weary to rest. And this is the refreshing, yet, verse 12 said they would not hear it. They wanted to keep on holding on to their Old Testament Sabbath. Matthew 11, verse 28, now we're in the New Testament. Come unto me, Jesus said, come unto me. All ye that labor and are heavy laden, burdened. And I, everybody say Jesus, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I am meek and lowly in heart, and ye shall find rest. Everybody say rest. You shall find rest for your souls. The most important thing that you need to understand about this message tonight is that Jesus Christ filled us with his spirit so that we live in a perpetual rest in the Holy Ghost. Let me break it down and make it real clear and clean for you. If you're living for God, if your walk with God, if your life with God seems to be wearing you out, you seem to be weary you seem to be struggling and tired and feeling like you need a break. I came to preach to you tonight to tell you what you need is a refreshing of the Holy Ghost. Because the Holy Ghost is the rest. Wherein the weary will find rest. Jesus said, cast your cares upon me. He said, my burden is easy, my yoke is easy and my burden is light. What I'm trying to tell you today is for those of you, can I preach to those of you that volunteer and work and labor? Sometimes it can feel like we're the only one working. We're the only one laboring. We're the only one studying. We're the only one teaching a Bible study. We're the only one working with children. We're the only one mowing the lawn. We're the only one laboring in the field. We're the only one leading the youth. We're the only one doing outreach and evangelism. And we can feel like we're alone. The truth is, is I want you to look around this room tonight and this room is filled with people that love God and are end up involved in the service of the kingdom of God. You are volunteering. You are laboring. You are not alone. You're not alone. That's a trick of the enemy to make you believe that you're alone. This church is doing more than we have ever done. We are more involved than we've ever been. We have over the last three years been involved in the establishment of not one but two daughter works that are thriving, 
moving forward. One which is getting ready to move to an autonomous status. The other which is moving forward rapidly. And in the next year to two years, I predict that they're going to be able to do the same. God is doing wonderful things throughout this church. When you look at our ministries, they are growing. They are flourishing. Our youth, our young adults, all of our ministries seem to be doing well. God is blessing the church. But in the middle of it, we can become weary and tired. The Bible tells us, be not weary in well-doing. But the enemy comes in these last days and his job is to try to wear out the saints. That means he wants you involved in toil and he wants to point you at every negative thing that he can show you, cause you to see the negative in everything, to feel the pain of everything. You can miss 500 compliments and hear one negative thing and go be discouraged in it. I come against that enemy tonight to tell you you're doing a good work. Keep on working, keep on laboring, keep on keeping on. And when you've done all you know to do to stand, just keep standing. Church, if we're going to make it until the end and hear him say, well done, we're going to have to have the courage to stand. It is the only way that you and I are going to be saved. We're going to have to stand. When all obstacles come against us, we're going to have to stand. As we move closer toward the coming of the Lord, I believe we're going to see more and more onslaught of the enemy that is going to come against us. We're going to have to prove what we're made of. It's going to be time for the church to stand up or shut up. We're going to have to stand in this evil day. Quitters are not going to make it. Sit-downers are not going to be able to make it. If the righteous scarcely be saved. Where will the sinner and the ungodly appear? It's not time for us to take a back seat. It's not time for us to say let somebody else stand up for us. We've got to lose that quitting mindset, that setting down mindset and understand we're in the work of the Lord. Everything in the work of the Lord has to keep moving forward, has to keep going forth, has to keep on keeping on, has to where am I going to find rest, Pastor? Get more involved than you've ever been. Be at the altar more than you've ever been. Pray more than you've ever prayed. Get baptized in the Holy Ghost. That's where you're going to find rest. That's where you're going to find peace. That's where you're going to find contentment. Get more involved than you've ever been before. Quitting never worked for any winner. As a kid growing up, we would be playing ball and one of my friends would want to quit. And you know what we would say? Quitters never win. It's true, and it's true in the church. Quitters never win. You got to keep on keeping on. You got to keep on standing. Don't be, look at your neighbor and tell him, don't be a quitter. It's really not the easy way out. Let me tell you what quitting's going to do. Quitting will make you the most miserable person on this planet. Mm, I feel the Holy Ghost in that. It'll make you the most miserable person on this planet. You can't quit. God never took people backwards or took people down. He always moved them up. 
Everything I started with the tabernacle, I'll end with the tabernacle tonight. Everything in the tabernacle. When the blood was caught at the very first post that they went, when the lamb was slain, it went into a, a vessel. That vessel didn't have a flat bottom, but it was a cone bottom vessel because that blood had to continue to be moving. They took it and kept it stirred in a circular motion because if the blood ever stopped, it would coagulate and it would, it would gel up. But but if the blood was going to be applied through all the posts, they had to keep the blood moving. That's what we got to do in the church. You don't get old enough to retire from serving God, worshiping God, praying to God. We've got to keep on moving the church forward, moving the kingdom forward, seeing the blood continue to work in the church. Standing is one of the most important aspects of life. In order to be healthy, we have to stand. In order to learn to walk, a child first must learn to stand. Standing is an important aspect of life. In marriage, we have to learn to withstand. I thought I'd get a better amen than that. In marriage... We have to learn to withstand. We have to withstand some hardships, endure some struggles. Sometimes it's only the commitment. I know some of you think that it's easy. You haven't been married very long. I was at a wedding yesterday. Brother Labatt's daughter got married. He said the coolest thing made us all roar in laughter. He said, I've been married for 27 years, happily married for 17 He didn't say which 17 either. In marriage, you have to learn to endure. In every relationship, you have to learn to endure some things. If you only hang in a relationship with a friend long enough, as long as everything's in agreement, you're never going to be able to make it. Every now and then, you're going you're gonna to grade on one another the wrong way. You're not going to see eye to eye on everything. There's going to be a point of disagreement. Am I okay tonight? I know you came to hear another, a second Pentecost Sunday message. Get the tape from this morning. I've preached my voice out. I've been married 29 years. In 29 years, my wife's had to learn to endure me. She's had to learn to take a stand. We both had to learn to take a stand. When at times it would have been easier to bail out, to give up, to quit. Come on, folks, don't act so sanctimonious and righteous. You know sometimes it was nothing but the commitment or your children that kept you together. It's not always easy. That job, some of you are so successful on your jobs, you've been there and made it through years, but it didn't come easy. Some of you felt like walking away, but instead you just took a stand. You said, I'm not leaving the job, let the other one leave the job. I had conflict, I'm going to stick it out. There's some in the church that's come and you came and you came with a leaving mindset. There's other that came and they came and said, you know what, this is where I'm planting my feet and this is where I'm going to stay. This is where I'm going to... You know, you got to put some roots down. You got to put your feet down. You got to plant yourself somewhere and declare, I'm going to stand. It may not be a perfect church. It's God's church. 
and it's filled with imperfect people but I'm going to lift my brother and my sister up we're going to work together labor together serve together pray together weep together rejoice together but we're going to stand together I got to stay with my notes I'm going to preach a long time so in this marriage relationship There's not a time in this marriage relationship that we can decide that we're just going to take a break. I've just had about enough of her and she's had about enough of me. We need some time off from this marriage. That doesn't work, folks. There's not a biblical model for it anywhere in Scripture. You can't take time off. As a matter of fact, if you're struggling in your marriage, the worst thing that you can do is be apart. The best thing you can do is separate yourself from all the other voices in the world and everything else in the world and spend some one-on-one time with you and that that special person that God allowed you to be connected with and grow and work on that marriage until you fall back in love again. Taking a break isn't an option. God called you to ministry. God, there's no place in ministry to decide, well, I think I need to take some time off and take a step back. No, you're backsliding. In your walk with the Lord, you can't say, well, I've been faithful for Him for a while and it's time for me to take a step back. There is no place in Scripture where I find that God is going to be all right with you saying, hey, God, I'm going to take some time off. You go ahead and let grace and mercy cover and protect me, but I'm going to take some time off. But instead, we've got to take everything, all the energy, all the courage, whatever it takes. You've got to stand at that evil day, look the devil in the face and declare I'm not going anywhere you can get behind me Satan but my feet's on the rock my mind's made up I'm planted here and I will stay you have to stand through it you can't take a break from ministry and expect your ministry to flourish and grow You have to endure some things. You've got to have the gentleness. You've got to have gentleness and you've got to have tenacity. And you've got to know when to implore which one. You've got to have the finesse of a dove and you've got to have the skin of a rhinoceros. You have to endure some things. People can be difficult, but your battle's not people. In my earlier years of ministry, I didn't understand this like I do today. I understand more clearly that we wrestle not against flesh and blood. I try my best to not get upset with the people that allow me to be their pastor. I may not appreciate everything that people do all the time. I may not agree with what I see all the time. But I try to not get upset about it. Try not to take it too personal. Here's why. Usually, it is not just the person. There is a power and a principality 
there is a spiritual warfare that is going on that that person may even be oblivious to, that they are allowing to overtake them and they are becoming a pawn of Satan. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against powers and principalities. Most of the time, the greatest problem that you're dealing with is not of your flesh. It is a spiritual battle that we must understand the only way that you can fight the devil is to take a stand. Here's what the Bible says. Resist the devil and he'll flee from you. He didn't say sit down and pacify him and talk to him and negotiate with him. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. When you've done all you can do to stand, stand therefore. I think I read in the scripture, get behind me Satan. Somebody needs to put their feet on the ground tonight and speak a word to your adversary that wants to destroy your faith, your hope, your confidence and make you feel like that you need to step back. You need to stand up. Look the devil in the face and declare, get behind me. This is not your ground. This is holy ground. So this is not a carnal battle. <laughs> Ephesians 6 points a very graphic picture of the spiritual struggle. It's not a carnal battle. Flesh and blood is not what this battle is made of. The reason that some people take this struggle lightly is because they're not fighting a spiritual battle. They engaged in the spirits. They signed up for spiritual warfare. But all of their thinking and reasoning is in the flesh. And all the spiritual things become foolishness. That's what the Bible said. Only to those who are spiritual can the things of the spirit be understandable. The carnal mind, the scripture said, cannot comprehend the things of the spirit. There is a warfare going on. The flesh against the spirit and the spirit against the flesh. The flesh wants to rise up with temper and anger. That's not how you handle a spiritual battle. You get on your knees before God and deal with it through prayer and consecration and faithfulness. And when the devil tells you you need to quit, show him. Show up early. When the devil says you need to take a step back, put a planning session together and do more than you've ever done before. The carnal mind doesn't comprehend this. Physical battles are won by physical means. Spiritual battles are not won by the flesh, but they're won by spiritual warfare. The weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but they are mighty. And they're mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. Until you've been under real spiritual attack, you don't have an idea what I'm preaching about tonight. But for most of you, you've served God long enough. And those who understand where I'm coming from tonight, you know that there are times, even in a spiritual battle, that you're going to pray and you're going to feel like God doesn't hear. You're going to talk to God and you're going to feel like your voice just echoes back from the ceiling. You're not going to know where to turn to or what to do. Those of you that's been around for a while know what I'm about to say. And that is there's times in this spiritual battle that when you've done everything that you know to do, just don't take a step back. Just stand. Just stand. 
The next time somebody comes to you and tells you, I feel like that it's time for me to take a step back, you need to remember the words of your pastor tonight that says, no, you shouldn't. No, you shouldn't. Your adversary, the devil, is like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. He is made devour. He's making a lot of noise in your ear and telling you, stop, step, step back, take time off. But instead, God is saying, when you don't know what else to do, just stand. Go forward when you can. But when you can't, just stand. But whatever you do, don't let the lion that is roaring in your ear get into your head and into your heart and cause you to think you need to step back. If we're going to be effective as a church, we're going to have to learn to stand. If you're going to be effective in your individual ministries and personal ministries, you're going to have to learn how to stand. Fight the good fight of faith. If you're going to be saved and lay hold on eternal life, the only way you're going to do it is to fight the good fight of faith. And in the end, you will lay hold on that eternal life. We're going to have to make up our mind to stand. Stand through the hardships. Stand through the struggle. Some have been dealing with the same old issues over and over and over again. The same old problems over and over again. Some keep dealing with the same things. And you wonder why, why, why. It's just simply that you have not yet Passed the test. That's the only thing I know to tell you. But don't give in to it. When you've done all you know to do to stand, just stand. Some of you have been in the wilderness wandering for a while. And you wonder how long you're going to be there. How long you're going to be in the wilderness. I don't have a timetable for you. I'm not even sure God knows. He may know, but I'm not sure that he'll ever reveal how long you're going to wander in the wilderness. How long before I reap a harvest? How long a day with the Lord is like a thousand years and a thousand years like a day? I don't know how long. I'm not sure anybody can tell you how long. But this much I know. If you'll keep standing, if you'll keep doing your part, if you'll keep being faithful to God, you'll keep being faithful to church, you'll keep praying, you keep fasting, you, sooner or later you are going to reap the harvest. There's no place to quit. There's no place to retreat to. We must stand. I'm preaching about a spiritual battle tonight. I won't be much longer, but the Israelites fought with swords and shields. The Israelites fought flesh and blood. But we, we are fighting in a spiritual battle. The Israelites came out of Egypt as humble slaves to their taskmasters. But if we're going to conquer Canaan, there is one thing we must learn from Israel. When they, they, came, out of, they came out of bondage under miraculous power, they came out, the Lord rolled back the, 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 the Jordan, and they walked through on dry ground. The first battle that they came to, to was Jericho. They marched around Jericho, and the walls fell with a simple march and a simple shout. The next thing they came to was Canaan. And if you're going to conquer Canaan, you've got to be willing to fight. God may not throw you into the battle, 
until you first learn the first steps. But for those of you that's been, that's been had God just open and part the waters and you walk through, and for those of you that's been able to deal with Jericho with nothing more than your worship and your praise, get ready. It's Canaan time. That means the weapons of our warfare are not carnal. They're spiritual. But we got to get ready to do spiritual warfare. And that means we're going to have to stand when we feel like sitting down. we got to stand. we got to fight. we got to fight. We got to fight because the victory has already been promised. Who in this building has the courage to take a stand against the enemy tonight and declare to the enemy, get behind me. I'm not going to deal with you any longer. I'm just going to stand and say, God, I'm just going to do what your word declared. Get behind me, Satan. I resist you, devil. I'm standing until the Lord opens the next door for me. Nehemiah, the sixth chapter, Sanballat and Tobiah. And the rest of all the enemies heard that Nehemiah had built the wall. They sent the servants down. They came out, Nehemiah's building the wall. Sanballat and Geshem sent the servants saying, come and let us meet together in the village of the plain of Ono. That ought to be a good enough reason. The Lord said, oh no. But they fought to do mischief. They came out, said, Nehemiah, come on down. Come meet with us. But Nehemiah had a word for them. And his word over and over again, I'm doing a great work, so I cannot come down. Don't ever think that the enemy will not send distractions in the form of people. Some spiritual battles come through the form of people. Agree with you in your negativity. Rejoice secretively in your calamity. Fill your ear with negativity. Tell you God's never going to use you. You need to get a Nehemiah spirit. I'm doing a great work and I cannot come down. That's all he would say. I'm, I refuse. I will not even come down. Let me tell you, you cannot negotiate with terrorists. You cannot negotiate with a terrorist. And the devil is like a terrorist in the church. You can't negotiate with the devil. You resist the devil. You stand steadfast. How do you resist the devil? Here's what the apostle said. Whom you resist being steadfast in the faith. How do you resist the devil? Just be steadfast. Stand and be steadfast. Don't allow anything to get between you and what God has called you to do. Luke the ninth chapter, Jesus said unto him, No man, having put his hand to the plow and looking back, is fit for the kingdom of God. There's no place to look back. There's no place to sit down. I belabored the point tonight. I'm closing. Stand with me if you would.
but there's no place in your journey to take a step back. God is calling the church to finish the race that has been set before you. We have too much invested to turn back now. We have fought too many battles now. Oh, come on, some of you, you, you've struggled through some hardships and, and some times when you wanted to give up, you've come too far. You ought to just look at your neighbor and tell them you've come too far to go back now. Come on, you ought to encourage somebody tonight and tell them, I've gone too far, we've come too far by faith and we're going to keep going forward. The Lord's going to see us through. Why don't you throw your hands in the air right now? All over the building. In the name of Jesus. Lord, I speak a word of faith over this congregation tonight. Maybe there's one in this room that's feeling like giving up. Lord, your word did not go forth void. I pray over every person in this room tonight. I pray right now that your spirit strengthen and undergird them and lift them up. I pray you give them the courage and the wisdom that they need right now by the power and authority of the Almighty God that you would give them the ability to plant their feet and on the ground, look the devil in the eye and resist the devil but remain steadfast in the faith in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Come on, somebody needs to join with me in your prayer right now and you need to tell the devil, get behind me, Satan. I'm going forward by faith in Jesus Christ. Come on, step out in the aisle. Make your way to the front. Let's close this service tonight rejoicing in the Lord. We're going to keep on keeping on. Keep on walking until we hear him say, well done. Keep on standing in Jesus' name. with somebody next to you. I just want you to take them with a hand, lay a hand on the shoulder, stand next to them, whatever you need to do. I just want you to remind you of the scripture that if one puts a thousand to flight and two ten thousand, that means you may feel weak alone. You may not have all that you need alone, but when you link up with somebody, you just you didn't just add to your faith, but you multiplied your faith. I want you to just pray one for another right now. And I want you to pray that God would strengthen your brother or your sister. And I want you to ask the Lord, God, let me be a strength and an encourager to them. That when they've done all they know to do to stand, let me encourage them just to keep on standing. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Oh, lift up the voice and sing for joy. Have your hands make a joy.
joyful joy. 